from Los Angeles, California. This is The Relationship Show with Dr. Wendy and Miss Jenny. This is a casual conversation between two friends and colleagues taking serious topics not so seriously. This podcast contains strong language and is intended for mature audiences. It is for entertainment purposes only. Enjoy. Welcome back to part two of our conversation with LA-based EMDR practitioner, psychotherapist, Riley K. Smith. We already learned how important breathing is to his work and to keeping us alive, literally and figuratively. And now Riley shares how we can reassert our presence when we get overwhelmed or disconnected. Riley gives us an overview of the therapeutic practice known as eye movement desensitization reprocessing, formerly known as EMDR, and more specifically, the style he uses called attachment-focused EMDR. Originally developed to treat PTSD and anxiety disorders, EMDR has been shown to work with depression, sexual dysfunction, eating disorders, and much, much more. Although EMDR may not be for everyone, it's been endorsed by the American Psychological Association, the International Society for Traumatic Stress Studies, the Department of Defense, and the Department of Veterans Affairs as a cost-effective and time-efficient means to treat psychological trauma. Okay, deep breath. Exhale. slow you're talking about slowing down the process of taking in the breath or are you talking a little bit more metaphorically well no very specifically as soon as you get spacey stop breathing (laughs) so if you get spacey (laughs) all right yeah slow down okay (laughs) and then there are ways to uh to reassert the your presence uh like you name objects and colors out loud uh, or you you put your focus in your body. I, I like to wiggle my toes and feel my feet down there and push against the floor, and it brings that energy down out of my head into my body. Uh, True grounding. Yeah. Yeah. Really. I, I feel like I do that without thinking. We're just like sometimes mm-hmm. I'll just find myself, I'll just like shaking my hands or uh-huh. like walking around. Or, yeah. yeah. And I, I've never put words to it like that. I usually feel like I start to judge myself like I must look like a crazy person right now so yeah, I'm like right. walking around like a chicken with clients sometimes I will talk about I think in the 70s it was really big to fluff your aura do you remember that I don't know I don't it was a, like est or something well I know was, what you're talking about aura and they wise. believe that there's an energy field around you and right, so they colors. said clear your oh, aura uh-huh. and so whatever it is you know I still think it was a mind-body connection you yeah. know get moving and yeah. I was thinking of it it's just like I'm just trying to get rid of the bad juju that's <laughs> like like oh, I gotta shake it off shake it off shake it off but you know so many people don't breathe Oh, well, consciously, don't. We? No, I mean, nobody breathes don't breathe. when they're tense, when they're in stress. It's very true. Because it's universal, fundamental, primal coping strategy. Yeah. And so it's automatic. We don't think about it. I feel tense. I feel scared. I feel hurt. Uh, anything negative. I don't breathe. Hold my breath. Right. Yeah. Holding it back as if it's you're preparing to launch something yeah. that doesn't come. So having introduced someone to just, just three breaths or five breaths, so however much they can handle, right? I can take their history, and when things start getting tense, I can stop, 
say take a few breaths notice what your experience is um, and I'm very tuned in to, to know when to stop and when to wait until next time to continue or something but invariably with a few breaths somebody can get right back on track and then when we're finished oftentimes people are what I call fragmented they're upset they've, they've touched something really deep so I'll gently take them through some of this breath and grounding and getting your body and do uh, affirming you know say look this this makes sense of what you came in here about you're not nuts so you're linking uh-huh and you're really creating a whole new somatic experience exactly so you're exactly. undoing uh, uh, the anxiety or the trauma feeling linked mm -hmm. to that memory mm -hmm. It's like you're timing and dosing. So some people say, oh, take a Ativan, right? When you feel anxious. Instead, take some breaths. The breath is the Ativan That's or right. the medication. That's right. It's a perfect, it is a perfect antidepressant and the price is right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's right. And big pharma isn't getting <laughs> but, rich but, on it. But so difficult for people to do. That's right. Well, I think we get a little self-conscious. Like I said, even when I'm alone and, I'm, and I think, oh my God, somebody would think I look like a crazy person. I think that a lot of people are very uh, caught up in their physicality in terms of how it looks to the audience, how it looks to the observer, how it looks from the outside. Again, looking to external factors for validation. Am I okay? Am I doing this right? Do I fit in? Am I... Am I performing the the act of being human or an adult or whatever it is in that scenario that we're trying to, right. you know, <laughs> right. we're trying to assume, the identity we're trying to assume. Do I look like a therapist right now? Am I holding myself like a therapist? Am I holding, my, am I holding myself like a loving partner to my husband in a social situation? Yeah. The audience. Right. Yeah. And, of course, that's all coping strategy for that basic wound that I'm the fundamental me is flawed right I'm not good enough and so the breathing of course ultimately ultimately the breathing takes you to here at the core the 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 the, the antidote Riley have you ever come across people who are not willing to do the breathing exercise with you yes and so how do you handle that I use EMDR okay attachment uh, focused uh, EMDR. I'm, I'm very interested in EMDR uh, and I've tried to explain it to people but this is what you do. So I <laughs> No, uh, I have to explain it. So I, EMDR, eye movement desensitization reprocessing. Yeah. Right? right. Francine Shapiro is the founder of, of it. How would you describe it to somebody? Okay. First of all, I would say, uh, if you're really interested, go online, <laughs> Google EMDR. EMDR has turned out to be a misnomer. Originally, when Francine dis, uh, started it, she discovered it in terms of eye movement, bilateral brain stimulation, that she was thinking about a problem, and she uh, just incidentally, just, I don't know, um, intuitively, was looking from side to side. She's taking a walk and she's walking and she's opposite arm and leg and she's moving her eyes from side to side. She's thinking about this problem. 
And she'd been doing that for about 10 or 15, 20 minutes, and she realized that she had resolved the problem and had lost her upset about the problem. So she said, what's going on? So she started to experiment with it, and it led her to this process uh, that I call bilateral brain stimulation, because at this point, uh, very few people are using eye movement. Uh, some are. Uh, but uh, I use two, uh, some, uh, they're, they're vibrator things with batteries, and it goes bzz, 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 opposite arm, uh, opposite hand, right, left, right, left, right, left. You can do it with tapping, right, left. Yeah, like body tapping. And for some reason, I mean, I can go through a possible explanation. It's kind of a mystery to me that you can think about an upset, something that's terribly upsetting, and after anywhere from half an hour to an hour and a half, the upset's gone. Uh, I've had people talk about a horrendous experience, with, and they have post-traumatic stress. And after, after doing, thinking about it, being guided, in the process, because you really need to have a, a skilled guide, being guided in the process, they'll say, they'll stop and they'll, I'll say, when you think about what happened, this incident now, what do you feel? What happened? And they'll say, well, I don't know, I'm having trouble remembering it. Um, what's, I get, am, I, am I doing it wrong? <laughs> And I said, no, no, that's, just, just trust that. And I said, okay, so how upset are you when you think about it and remember it? And I said, well, I'm not upset at all. It's, it's like that was then and this is now and I'm ready to move on. Hmm. And so, of course, they come in the next time, I want to I check it. I want to see, this is two weeks later, a week later. Think about that problem again and, and see where you are. And they'll think about it and they'll, maybe there's, that much upset, so we'll process it. And uh, eventually, there is no charge whatsoever when I think about it. Now, one of the things I heard about EMDR is that you have to keep doing it in order for it to really have a long-term effect. Do you agree, That's believe? That's not my experience. The, the studies are showing that it's one of the fastest and most effective ways to deal with trauma. Although, from what I was reading, it, it seems to be uh, augmented by having talk therapy as well to support it. Uh -huh. That, you know, one without the other is less effective. Like, EMDR well, can be that much more effective. And there are also layers of trauma. And uh, so you, uh, someone can process through one experience and then later another experience comes up that was traumatic or it was one way or another upsetting and to process that through. And so sometimes it takes an, a number of sessions over a period of time to clean up all the old uh, traumas. I want to talk about attachment-focused EMDR because that doesn't work with specific trauma. That works with chronic difficulties in early childhood. Uh, okay. Um, but I, I'd like to put that aside for a moment. Uh, I want to share an, experience, uh, an example, an experience I had 
I had a heart palpitation problem several years ago. Uh, I now have a pacemaker. Mm -hmm. But I had a catheter ablation procedure where they run a catheter up a vein from the groin up to the heart cavity and they zap inside to, to, to somehow or other knock out the, the impulse centers that are causing the palpitations and the, and the fibrillation. Okay. I was anesthetized. I was out. And they needed to start the heart palpitating or fibrillating, and so they used paddles. You know, those mm -hmm. things they put on your chest. Well, I woke up, and um, everything was over. Everything was fine. But I felt like I'd been beat up. And after two days of feeling, I, I couldn't sleep. I was angry, angry at the doctor, just angry. Uh, and and just antsy and my wife does the same kind of EMDR that I do and we but we recognized I had post-traumatic stress so she took me through the process well what I got was I, I dredged up four doctor violations doctor mistakes doctor traumas that I had had as a child let's see there was one where I had uh, I, I had fallen and cut myself and the doctor gave me a, a tetanus antitoxin that was horse serum and I went into anaphylactic shock. Oh my God. There was the dentist who invented a painless drill that wasn't painless. Oh, <laughs> there, was, there, there were oh. several things like that. And we cleaned them up one at a time and, and over a period of about 45 minutes, it was all gone. I wasn't mad. I wasn't mad at the doctor. I, I, I was. I slept. It was all gone. How many times do I have to say to get away, get gone? Now understand, those were those weren't intense, consistent traumas like a lot of people have, and they cleaned up easily. I didn't have to go back and to clean up each one of those things separately. Uh, of course, and I also you know, have been doing my work over the years and I've got this solid core self place to go. So, so we cleaned it up in one shot. Wow. Yeah, I was gonna say, do you think it was easier for you because you understood what you were trying to? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was. Your willingness, I think, is huge. Oh, uh, because so often in this day and age, still, everyone just wants a happy pill and push it away. But it's still there. Mm -hmm. It doesn't go away. That's right. Yeah. So your, your patience and your willingness, I talk to, about willingness a lot with my clients. It's mm -hmm. very important to be willing and open, willing to learn how to breathe, yeah. willing to it's tolerate true. the pain. It's true. Um, so your willingness to, to take a look at it is huge. True. And so that one trauma, just, you know, the chain reaction uh, of the other traumas in your childhood. And sometimes we don't even know what that is. So we'll spend a lot of time even holding a feeling without putting the words to it. True. So again, it's that willingness and kind of learning how to slow down and, and tolerate, you know, that there, there is something there and, and, uh, and, and it, it, it will come up. Don't you think it will... It will show up if you give it time. True. 
Um, but I think if people, you know, day and age, they just want that quick fix and to be done. Also learning to do this breathing, for instance, it takes an effort and a commitment. Yeah. Uh, I can remember my own resistance to it when I was first learning it. And it wasn't until I really got what it was about and had the experience, I had that breakthrough kind of satori. It, it was like, wait a minute, I'm okay. I'm exactly who I'm supposed to be. Mm -hmm. There's nothing to be ashamed of. I'm, I'm right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm me. <laughs> I'm, I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how does attachment work? Attachment theory in the in the work you do, and I, I'm really interested in how you use that. How you integrate that with the EMDR? What's What's the connection? Okay. Um, in terms of using EMDR, the EMDR process of bilateral brain stimulation while you think about a problem can be applied to any difficult situation and therefore can be applied to the needs unmet when we were little children from, from day one, maybe in utero, that uh, you say, all right, so, so some, we bridge from a current event upset to a primal event upset. And we do it like this. What do you feel? What, tell me about your upset. When something goes wrong, what do you feel? Oh, well, I feel tight right here in my solar plexus and my, my neck and shoulders get tight and I... Um, I, I don't breathe very well, and I, 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 my digestion is, is off, and um, okay, that's excellent, and I, I, I affirm it. And then I say, is there a negative belief about yourself that goes with that? And sometimes they've got it, sometimes they don't. But let's say, well, yeah, it's like I'm, I'm, I'm just not lovable because somebody said something ugly or they weren't there for me or whatever. Says, how is that like when you were little? Linking. Uh huh. Again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that takes it back to early. Now it may not be the most early, but it doesn't matter. Any of those early time uh, process uh, experiences can be processed through. So here I am. I'm uh, I'm I'm at home, and my my siblings are wild and unruly and mom is harried and I can't get the attention I need uh, and that was happening uh, a lot he said okay think of a think of a typical situation like that was going on he says okay let's see it was my birthday and blah 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 what do you feel right now and they'll talk about their upset okay I want you to remember that event as if you're watching it on a video and I'm going to run the pulse. I want you to follow the pulse while we do that. Do some, do some, uh, uh, some pulses, and then I'll stop and I'll say what, what's happening now? What do you experience? And they'll, they'll say what it was. And in the process, they will go from being upset to beginning to see it, and from an objective point of view, to understand mom to understand the kids, to understand that it wasn't about them. And by the end of the processing that time, I'll say, what do you experience now when you watch the video? And they'll say, well, I, 
it, I, I get it. I get it. And I said, what about your upset level? Well, I, I don't have any upset. Or maybe I've got 2% upset. Okay, well, process that through. And so that's, and so you just keep doing that. And the, the experience was not one event. It wasn't one trauma. It was just a difficulty throughout the childhood. And uh, pretty soon after you've processed through four or five of those, the rest of them are just not relevant anymore. And that's how the attachment-based EMDR works. Uh, Laurel Parnell is the guru. She, she developed this. Uh, and somewhat of an EMDR rebel, and she's doing a fabulous job. She's teaching all over the country, all over the world. She's teaching this. It's wonderful stuff. So there are four basic types of attachment, right? Right. Secure. Secure. Anxious. Avoidant, or is it anxious? It's anxious avoidant, right? Anxious. They're different. I mean, so for you, uh, for me, it's uh, secure, insecure, anxious, and avoidant. Uh, but they can go many different ways, right? Disorganized. Right. Now, is insecure. that talking about um, the result of the injury, or is it talking about the the mother's state of being that caused the injury, or both? I think it's both. Oh, okay. I think it's the relationship on how the infant takes it in, but also how the mother responds, projects it onto. Okay. You know. So it's not a coping strategy. No. Okay. Because some people can be avoidant as a coping strategy. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I have a question about what you just so beautifully, you know, expressed. It's fascinating what you're talking about. So what about someone's willingness, a client's, you know, unwillingness to go there? Then what? So you're attempting to do the EMDR. You talk about the memories. Um, what if they say, like, true resistance? Um, well, I, 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 I didn't, you know, I, I, uh, I didn't have any feelings about in childhood or... Uh, no, nothing happened in childhood. I'm, uh, oh no, yeah, I had a big car accident, you know, last week, and that's the trauma. And then you want to, you know, did did that person who yelled at you was that similar to something growing up, or does it remind you of anything? Or let's look at your childhood, and they'll say, no, everything was great. Okay. What do you do in that situation? I I start looking for what will work, and whether it's first of all, is is that true? And Will you say that? What? Okay, <laughs> you're talking about the art of doing therapy. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've got this bag of tricks, uh, the inquiries. If one doesn't work, I'll try another, and sometimes none of them are working, yeah. and so <laughs> yes. I wait. Yes, okay, you know? and then, so when you say I wait, it's uh, this is important because uh, I think sometimes even clients feel bad that they can't recall something and so when you say i wait then it kind of goes back to the attunement of breathing mm -hmm. and just being mm -hmm. with them until it's, they're ready yes it's really respecting their coping strategy totally 100 percent uh by the way there's a, a adjacent thing i, I want to say uh here um probably the most important connection 
between psychotherapy, effective psychotherapy and my experience with spirit is that in my spiritual practice, I learned, I learned, I came to believe, this is my bubble thing, <laughs> uh, I came to believe that we, us humans, each one, is a finite expression of the infinite consciousness. And as such, we are profoundly okay. And my job is to never forget that for myself and for my clients. Because clients come in convinced, usually unaware, that they're not worth shit. Mm -hmm. That they're damaged goods. They're damaged. Mm -hmm. And that whatever they're, they're going through is insurmountable. Yeah, the, the, exactly. Al although the mere fact that they're in therapy usually contradicts that belief on some level. Uh, yeah, you know, it kind true. of there's like, hope. like hope. <laughs> you're here. I'm not going to point it out quite yet, but that does show that you do have hope. Yeah, yeah, that you do believe that something can change. Again, timing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like with music. Exactly. In part three of our conversation, Riley shares what it takes to stay active into one's eighth decade. We get a peek into Riley's bubble and discuss the effects hallucinogenics can play in the therapeutic process. If you enjoy this podcast, please pop over to iTunes or Podbean, subscribe, throw us some stars, and leave us a review. We really appreciate it as it allows us to reach a wider audience and spread the love. And don't forget, you can always contact us with questions and feedback through our websites or by emailing us at relationshipshowla at gmail.com. Mother, do you think they'll try to break my balls? Listening to the relationship show with Dr. Wendy and Miss Jenny. A casual conversation between two friends and colleagues taking serious topics not so seriously. Dr. Wendy O'Connor and Jenny J.B. Wilson see clients in private practice in Los Angeles, California, and can be found online at www.doctorwendyoconnor.com and www.jennijbwilson.com. For entertainment purposes only. Up next... Your bubble. Can you talk about the bubble? Sure.